We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And we're off! Fingers on buzzers! Are you feeling lucky? Are you ready to play the game? Who's going to be quickest? Who's going to be luckiest? This is not a game! No, it's... Ball to open. Ball to open. Yes, and what do you do? I want to get you to see, and I'm almost there. Why are you still talking? Will there be music? Do you think people will be allowed to play violins? Here comes the drums! So here it comes, the sound of drums. Here come the drums, here come the drums. Hello, and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to render the theme tune of Doctor Who in completely random order. No, to go through the entire TV show of Doctor Who in random order. My name is Chris Taylor. And I'm Pete Paschal, and Chris and I are a couple of guys who have been following the Doctor on his journey through time and space since a long time ago in time and space in both our lives, and we're bringing all that to bear on every episode of this show in the delightfully random order that a randomizer is serving it up to us. Yes, and now we're we're following the randomizer rather than following the doctor. We're following the randomizer following the doctor. Uh, (laughs) The angels may have the randomizer, but this week I think it might be the Zygons. uh, Yeah, the Zygons have the randomizer. Spoiler. Uh, But just (laughs) to catch us up on where we've been four episodes ago, we were at our very first Chris Eccleston uh, story that we've done, Dalek. What a hell of a Eccleston story to start on. Maybe the best. Crowd goes wild. Uh, yeah, insert cheers here. Uh, three episodes ago, we went from a single Dalek to a single space whale uh, in <laughs> The Beast Below. The crowd doesn't go quite so wild. Um, two episodes ago. Crowd a little dismayed at the analogies made there, judging by our comments on TikTok. But anyway. <laughs> two episodes ago, uh, we, we reached back into the classic show because this is classic and new who. They are equal opportunity in the randomizer's eyes, almost exactly equal, in fact. Uh, and we went to the uh, William Hartnell season two story, season two opener, Planet of Giants. Uh, which we thought was the only three-episode story in the classic run. Uh, we've since been corrected. We've even been to a three-episode story in, in right. terms of the two Doctors. Uh, but there are a bunch of others in the yeah. uh, in the McCoy era, which um, I, I can happily say that I, you know, not as <laughs> historians say, not my period. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yes, well, that's we a- had. We had a few, and, and we've been corrected on this. We enjoy being corrected here on Pull to Open. Uh, yes, I feel genuinely dumb about this. Okay, guys, you're right. Yes, there were a lot of three-episoders in the McCoy era, um, in, and it's not just Planet of the Giants. So here's the thing. I, 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 in my defense, the McCoy era, like they're all compressed, and yeah. the decision to go with a bunch of three-episoders in that period was really budgetary, and... I, I, this is me just equivocating and making excuses, I admit. But it is like, oh, right, yes. 
um, they they had to do three episodes of things that would have otherwise been four parters or whatever, hmm. uh, because you know they they cut the budget and it was down from like twenty something like twenty six episodes to fourteen. So, but yes, our bad. There were a lot of three episodes. I don't really think the two doctors counts as much. Honestly, I remember when I saw it for the first time in in Western Canada. I think they'd already started chopping them up into. The, sorry, Colin Baker's first season, which was 45-minute yeah. episodes. They started chopping those up into 25-minute episodes again and sort of inserting random cliffhangers um, in various places. <laughs> Very so, random. Um, I never really thought of it as a three-episoder. Uh, yeah. But that's, again, this is all excuses. Our bad. We really need... <laughs> we got to get more guests on to, you know... <laughs> Correct us when we uh, when stuff spills out of our heads that just isn't really accurate. So, anyway. but then, Pete, what, what would all our Who Nerd fans do if they if they right? couldn't correct us? Right, we we have to throw in these breadcrumbs uh, so that people can tell us how wrong we are. Maybe um, we got to sort of go out of our way to be wrong. <laughs> to make but yes, it, we, guys. We, gotcha. we have been corrected. We have been corrected. So the complete classic series list of three episodes is Planet of Giants, Two Doctors, Delta and the Bannerman, Dragonfire, Happiness Patrol, Civil Dem. Ghostlight and survival. Mm, even Ooh. the last, ep- the last story of the yeah. classic series is a three-episode. That's true. Yeah, and uh, explain yeah, a lot there. It's it's kind of <laughs> telling that this is the only thing that we're really talking about with Planet of Giants. It was not not a very memorable. <laughs> story as we discovered but then we did we stepped back into our TARDIS we fired up the randomizer and the randomizer took us all the way to the other end of the who quality spectrum to blink yes and there was lots to talk about there oh my goodness uh it was not a blink and you'll miss it episode it was <laughs> we nearly tilted the scales at two hours there i think um but definitely yeah, a and i was time. a little scared going into that one is it going to hold up are we going to pick at it and it completely held up it was like yeah. Oh wow! What a what an amazing amazing Viscount banger of an episode. Indeed, our highest rating on the pull to open scale. Absolutely, a Viscount blinker it was. And mm. uh, then we step back into the TARDIS, and appropriately enough, given that uh, just over a year ago we went to the Day of the Doctor, mm. um, we went to what is often considered a sequel to the Day of the Doctor. Um, which is the Zygon invasion and the Zygon inversion. Mm, imagine the black screen in front of you, a typewriter <laughs> font coming on. A year ago, there were three podcast hosts. That's right. And then they get, go, go ahead and check out YouTube and you can see myself, Chris and Elisa Stern, who joined Stern. us for that amazing commentary on the Day of the Doctor. That Dr. Puppet. Time. I, I mm. always have her little Dr. Puppet postcard here uh, un- under the pull to open sign. A uh, little, little restrike for oh, fans. Nice. But yeah. yeah. But yes. Okay. Uh, so now we are at the prequel slash sequel to that. Mm, yeah, um, and it's a kind of funny coincidence that it just came up in, as I said in the previous episode, the way we're recutting those season two of Bolt to Open episodes for our video. And that just recently, it's just a, again, another coincidence, it came up on the anniversary of Doctor Who, like the mm-hmm. birthday of Doctor Who on November 23rd was the day we posted the Day of the Doctor wow. uh, podcast. And now here we are at the Zygon inversion. And like, again, kind of scared of the randomizer here. Like, it's really, scared of the randomizer. You know, <laughs> intersecting our own schedule with the Doctor <laughs> Who world. And um, funny connections are coming up. 
You know, uh, now now we're in the era of chat GPT. I don't know if you've messed around with that, Pete. Oh, the, I haven't messed AI around, chatbot, but I, yeah, I've seen it, yeah. It's uh, it's a little scary. Speaking of scary technology, um, and I, I think really we we could have our scripts written for us. Um, <laughs> not only could it pick a random episode, it could then go watch that episode, write a review, and, and then we just have to read it out. And then we're, we're just well, voice actors. That I'm sure. I'm sure we could get an AI to read it out. We could just <laughs> exactly. our feet up and put this entire podcast on autopilot. Could we even be AI right now? I mean, maybe maybe this is us. This is our AI versions. We we have oh, to wow. we have to build in some mistakes. That's the only thing. That's the only way you know we're human. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's why we throw in things about uh, three parters. You know, what um, we should do before we automate the entire podcast. We get an AI to be the third guest. That someone reads out in a Dalek voice. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of the the Dalek relaxation tape, which I I love. Google, I don't know if you've seen that Google on it. YouTube. Google it, YouTube it. Uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> love the Dalek relaxation tape. Always. I actually suggest, brought that up yesterday. Uh, we're, we're recording this the day after England played France. We're knocked out by France in the World Cup, and. Uh, my wife was sitting there so stressed uh, as it, uh, you know, there were a couple of penalties in the game. She was watching through her fingers and she was so stressed that I said, would you like me to put on the Dalek relaxation tape? <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> did you? Um, uh, no, no. Uh, amazingly, she did not. But we did both uh, kind of uh, interestingly, given that we, we did this last time for Blink, uh, but you may remember that I, I told you what my heart rate was after I did the, the ah, TLDW summary. Um, and uh, it was it was at about at that level, right? 110 BPM. Uh, during during those penalties, so uh, yeah, I think that we we should make this a thing going forward. Is whoever does TLDW <laughs> give us a heart rate? Yeah, right now. exactly. Okay, we can do that. I got an yeah. watch on. We can do this exactly. Oh man, I got two minutes. Like, I mean, I've, I've you've just disturbingly <laughs> reminded me. I'm I'm responsible for it this week, and uh, I've got a full two minutes with what we're doing here with the inversion invasion. Yeah, double we, header. We, we should have checked your heart rate before I told you that, and then yeah. after. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to get to it, guys. Yep. It's happening. Um, we're going to get to this first Zygon episode post Day of the Doctor. It's obviously part of Series 9, which was a big multi-parter season. It's all going to be huge. But first, we must enter the Pull to Open feedback loop. The feedback loop, of course, we always love to talk about reviews. And if uh you have not left one yet please do podcasts mm. like this one this is a podcast by the way thrive on reviews when you ever you review uh the podcast in a place like the apple podcast store it increases the visibility of the podcast in that app so yes. i'm sure more people find our amazing journey and accompany us on it uh please go ahead to the store leave a review and our thing our thing mm. on pull to open is that we love it when people leave emoji titles basically titles of doctor who stories in emoji yep. form and you could just leave one of those and hopefully a star rating like maybe five stars just popping into my head one of those the, the number of stars in my head this is five i don't know why uh, <laughs> but those emoji titles we really love them we like to do a segment on the show where we try to you know brain tease ourselves essentially on what yeah. they be. We're fast becoming a game show, which is entirely appropriate for the Zygon inversion. Um, but yeah, that's that's, oh, that's the. Right. I I was we were stumped uh, last yeah. week uh, by our friend Dalton on uh, was it on Twitter? 
It was on Twitter. Dalton's a prolific yeah. provider of these, and there was one that we didn't get, and it was a uh, essentially a negative sign or a dash, um, a person with their arms crossed in front of them, so representing no, I guess, or cross-checking, <laughs> and um, the squiggly, the squiggle emoji, which can also look like kind of like a sine wave. Now, we didn't get it. Dalton has not. We just posted that that pod yesterday uh, at the time we're recording this, so mm. we, he has not had a chance, I think, to to reply. Um, I, I went through the codex because I had a little time, and I still <laughs> don't know. Like, so my best guess, and I'm sort of zeroing in on the sine wave, is either mm-hmm. flux, like yeah. this is flux, or something in New Who with the word end, which I'm sort of taking the the cross-checking mm. thing to be. So I thought maybe the end of time hmm. um, or possibly Journey's End. I don't know, but those are my best mm. guesses. So I think, anyway. I think you're right. I think it may be uh, Flux to give it its, <laughs> its uh, Sheffield name. Uh, Thanks, Dan. Flux. <laughs> I like Sheffield. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I love it. Love the emoji reviews. Uh, yes, please do leave us a review. Uh, we or if you find yourself trapped in a Zygon pod, uh, please just uh, be like Clara and kind of move your fingers so that your your Zygon human version will uh, actually leave a review uh, for you. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll uh, we'll have some tips on how to do that shortly. Uh, Clara Hopefully, the podcast is is still accessible to you in the pod. <laughs> I mean, pod, podcasts. I mean, how could it not what? be? Come on, yes. Zygon. You got to exactly. keep these people entertained somehow. It's like the exactly. Zygon version of the Matrix, right? Keep I do hope. Style. I do hope that they have uh, a way of rating those those pods when you when you're inside <laughs> them. Uh, anyway, good stuff. Keep the reviews coming, guys. Uh, also, in the feedback loop, YouTube has been amazing. Uh, we're getting all of our new episodes there. Fridays, our season two episodes. We're almost done season two there, and we're going to get into the season mm. three stuff that we didn't uh, upload. We only have about a dozen left. I think, and then we'll be fully caught up on YouTube. And I'm really excited wow. for that to happen in the yeah. new year. All of our shorts, the ones we cut for uh, TikTok mainly, are there. Our plot summaries are all there. Uh, TLDWs, that is. And we get, we're getting more and more great comments like this one. So someone mm. with the handle, it's just numbers, 818-1888. I hope that's not a phone number. scarily close to my childhood phone number but anyway but he left a great comment on our recent video for blink so he uploaded the podcast for blink and he and we talked a bit about the angels and uh how if the evil plot succeeded would they challenge the time lords and i love this comment Mm. because it's really sort of building on the headcanon we had there and it, it goes the time war is called the last great time war so my new headcanon is maybe the ancient Time Lords fought a time war with the Weeping Angels and the history of it was just lost to time and they are quantum locked because that's how the Time Lords of old defeated the Angels. Ooh, yeah, that's I like great. This. That's I some, like this idea. That is some premium headcanon right there. Yeah. Uh, I love it because, of course, we've, we've been to a State of Decay where we talked about, you know, the, the little remembered fact that the Time Lords actually fought a war with vampires uh, mm. back in the day. Uh, Time Lords have a lot of history that they kind of keep buried. So it, it would not be surprising to find that this is the reason why uh, the Angels are time-locked. And maybe it's also, you know, you could headcanon it a bit further and say that they they 
took their power uh, from the Time Lord, their power to send people back in time, mm. maybe came from the Time Lords in the first place. Um, because Ooh. otherwise, how would they? How would they have time travel technology otherwise? How does it work? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but mm. I also love the idea of maybe the angels have a glorious golden age that they kind of want to get back, and it gives their race an overall kind mm. of motivation. If you, you know. We I do like know that. that they've they've existed since the beginning of time. That's what they tell us about the angels, right? Which mm. suggests that they are older than the Time Lords, which suggests yeah. that they would fight a war with the Time Lords when the Time Lords came along, because they'd be like, what? No, you, Time Lord? Like, we're so... We're all over yeah. it. Like, maybe they had the power of sending people back in time. And they're like, we, we don't even shout about it. We're called the Weeping Angels. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you call yourselves Time Lords because it's the only thing you can do. Um, I can see the Time Lords just kind of like, we're the Weeping Angels, they say to them. And they're like, little on the nose, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who actually calls them the Weeping Angels? Is, is that, is that self-described? Is that actually a slur? Uh, uh, they actually have a species name that we should be using instead? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah curious. The Applauding Angels. Yeah, that's what they really want to be known as. <laughs> Well, this is great. Face palming angels, yes. Thank you so much, uh, 818-18888. Keep those comments coming. I might have added an eight there. I'm not sure. Um, Indeed. Everything's still going on on the socials as well. We're continuing to upload to TikTok. We're really, we're like, as as I record this, we may be crossing over the 9K mark. Uh, We really got our sights set on that 10K mark. We're going to really do something special for the TikTok audience when we get there. And maybe we will soon. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll run a 10K on TikTok. That would be an amazing Christmas present for us, guys. Uh, so <laughs> go ahead, keep sharing the TikToks with your friends, bookmarking them, and keep commenting because it's great. Also, uh, we got a TikTok comment in the week. We love the interaction. We're getting more and more comments. We're talking about them. Um, so someone commented on our one of our Planet of Giants videos. Uh, we were sort of a little very good, kind of, I would say critical, perhaps, mm. of the cliffhangers in that story yeah um, yeah the, the cliffhanger of the cats and the guy washing his hands yes 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 the, some of the weirdest cliffhangers of doctor <laughs> history so anyway this person with the handle and i love this handle yeah it's doctor who dot 1963 boom so yes I, I think this person's a fan of the classic series you think uh because he <laughs> says or he or, she, he or she says loves love these cliffhangers it gets laughs from me every time Plus, only Doctor Who can make normal things scary. We need to revisit the miniature world, TBH. Um, we do. We do. I'd love, yeah. I'd love to see a modern version of Planet Giants with an actual budget. Uh, and especially now, you know, Doctor Who is getting Disney-sized budgets. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this is kind of a no-brainer idea. It would be great to... Uh, revisit this and and maybe the doctor can say something like no oh no not again um, yeah yeah <laughs> it would be great i i think we doctor who has certainly gone back to shrinking the idea but every time it's yeah. been like the real world right it's they've gone into someone's body or into a dalek or like we mentioned flatline and it's kind of used a bit of as, yeah. as a gag um yeah they've kind of, of overshot great, yeah. but it's also like like coming back to this idea of making normal things scary and honestly getting kind of a do over a planet of di- giants which the concept mm. was was okay like there's nothing wrong with it yeah um, just the execution yeah let's let's mm. see it again i'd love to see that happen so rtd as always call us or just listen <laughs> either way <laughs> just listen and take notes my friend yeah 
Well, and we'll have plenty. Um, uh, speaking of which, as we pull out of the feedback loop, a quick reminder, we're also on Twitter and Instagram at Open 63 Loving all the conversation on those platforms. Uh, and as we emerge, we have some words from RTD recently in the most recent Doctor Who magazine that I believe you are probably more familiar with, Chris, but thank yes. you for sharing. So before I have we get a comments, digital subscription and, and Paint has yeah. a physical subscription. So I'm glad we compliment each other this way. <laughs> <laughs> I have the archive that I could go back into, but mm. I'm continually frustrated that I do not get my print edition uh, at, the, at the same time the digital edition goes out. And for some reason, even though I got the print edition and I pay for it some exorbitant amount, I don't. It doesn't give you a digital subscription. I don't understand this. Why? How do I not mm. get basically a free digital subscription with my print subscription? It's ridiculous. Come on, yeah. baby, step up. I should be getting both. Uh, yep. Considering, like, I, 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 I don't think I should say how much I paid for this because it's just nuts. But uh, I think I'd be shameful. Like, what are you doing? It's a down economy. You can't be paid for. Do- no, I pay for Doctor Who magazine. Uh, yeah, I love it. Got to, got and to. And anyway, yeah, we, we we love you, Doctor Who magazine. But yeah, get get your get your digital side sorted out because it is mm-hmm. ridiculous that uh, print subscribers are penalized, especially when you are breaking news now and right and and especially as you know the comic strip is now canon continuity yeah the cover Um, is the comic right yep yep Mm -hmm. yeah so it it is like making us wait uh or making print subscribers wait for a new episode of doctor who for what like a week after uh the digital people so yes uh Lovely, love you, DWM. We're happy to advertise you as we do often on the show. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, get get it sorted. It kind of reminds me of when they did the five doctors for the 20th anniversary <laughs> and the they broadcast it in the States first, which hmm. Thanks very much. It was a good, neat thing to do, but I, I bet <laughs> everyone in Britain it was just like had their gape mouth like well, hands out wtf like what are you doing well you know in those days we we didn't hear back from the u.s until the clipper ship arrived so uh, <laughs> it was it was fine we were just all waiting on the dock side uh for word of what had happened and uh uh how was richard hurdnall and did tom baker actually show up um, <laughs> all right well the complaint <laughs> section of pull to open uh this new complaint segment is over i think and we're gonna get right to the material so rtd now uh I've read a few things, and I think the most substantive thing he had to say was that the next season of Doctor Who is going to be eight episodes long. Yes. So we haven't had a count yet on that. And um, I th- it, that seems like it's a less than pre-flux, yeah, but more than plus, right? It is, and I actually kind of like it because I think that there are always, you know, obviously no no season of Doctor Who can be full of Viscount bangers, but you sure. you could you could have a season that is just Viscount bangers and Daleks, uh, with mm. no no ogrons and no Professor haters to use the pull to open rating system. Um, if you just sort of reduce it a bit, you know, there's yeah. you know, get rid of the uh, you know the vampires in Venice or whatever, whatever the uh, the dud of the season is, and just really really focus all your energy on the the really good scripts. Uh, yeah, so it's I a good like that idea. It's a good theory, right? Like, and mm. I I don't know if it, it 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 to some extent it holds, and to some extent it, which is the the theory being, of course, like oh, if you're not constantly rushing, 
you're not you're going to be able to focus uh, your energy better and essentially perfect the material you have. But that obviously mm. that only works if the material is good in the first place. So you have something like like a, what's a good example like Terminus, right? We we yeah. we've been to Terminus and it was like. They they only had like a day or something to make the costume. I don't know what it was, but they like basically a lot of like stuff did not come together in that episode. And a lot, it's almost a lot of the time it's like, yeah, it's rushing. We had to quickly do it. So mm. fair enough, take out some stuff. But was really the underlying material good enough? There, like, did would it have made much difference if those costumes on the the garm guards were that actually worked and you know were thought through i don't know right so that said you know we've got rtd he's fresh he's he's obviously planning all this stuff in advance he's got he's probably his own uh best critic now you know in terms of Mm. delivering the goods so um you know i i I have faith that the theory that less is more will uh, hold true in this case, but I don't think it necessarily always holds true because there have been some really long seasons of some television. And again, this is a rarity, but it has happened uh, where it, it's not necessarily no duds, but the level of quality is high. I, the one yeah. I would cite is the first season of Lost, which yes. I thought was incredible. And a lot of it still holds up. Mm. And that was something like 25 or 26 episodes long. So, Yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> I remember when we used to watch 26-episode seasons? My goodness. Right? Um, but yeah, I, it's interesting you zeroed in on that. Uh, it, it was not the, the first thing that jumps to mind. Uh, but I, I will point out that uh, uh, RTD has also said that there's going to be a story with an eight-word title. Oh. Mm. which is incredible. Does that beat uh, Pyramid at the End of the World? Let me see. A, the Pyramid, pyramid at uh, the End of the World. Tide. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, big news soon, he says. And he loves to do this thing. RTD has done this quite a lot where he just teases you by pulling words out of the scripts that he's writing. But the second special, uh, you know, he kind of buries clues in here because, yes, you know, the world's wild Southampton vegetable bean and starlight are in there, but also <laughs> the word flux with a capital F. Right. So it is, it, there is continuity here with the Chibnall era, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, that and, the flux is going to be at least mentioned. Yeah, and I like that. And there should mm. be. I mean, he shouldn't mm. just ignore everything. I mean, like these things happened. Again, he doesn't have mm. to dive into the timeless child thing right off the bat. I, I think again, we've talked about that plenty of times, and I think it's best to let that rest for as long as possible until someone has a good idea to sort of bring it back. But yes, flux happened. It was a big cataclysmic, you know, universe altering event. Mm. Um, let's let's mine stuff out of that. That's interesting, right? Yeah, uh, I'd rather. And RTD that- knows from cataclysmic universe altering events. This is this is the guy right? that practically invented them. Yeah, and he's he did such a good job at sort of referencing his own stuff. I mean, he was the only showrunner mm. at the time in, in the new era, right? But like, if you look at things like um, the Waters of Mars, for example, and yes. the stuff they do with the characters there and the Dalek invasion that happened in Journey's End. Is like, oh yeah, this is kind of cool. Like you're really world building here. So yeah, more mm-hmm. of that, please. Yeah, and personally, my my headline from the RTD interview was the fact that you know we now we've all talked about the the shooting up the first appearance of Shuti Gatwa uh, in the trailer uh, where he says, "Someone tell me what the hell's going on here." Mm-hmm. I knew something was a bit off about that scene, and now RTD tells us that the background has been completely invented. Because, quote, the actual location would give away too much. 
Yeah. Interesting. So it it throws cold water on the theory that it was shot only for the trailer. So yes, which was my initial like, thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is cool. So, but does that mean are they going to either CGI out the mustache or d- the doctor is a mustache? <laughs> like this is, I don't know why I'm obsessed over this. By the way, <laughs> I just like I've seen Shooty as it with both the mustache and without. Really doesn't make much difference. But again, it's, it is one of those first. Right, he would not only be the first black doctor; he'd be the first yes. doctor. With real facial hair, if you don't count uh, tenants and, and Pertwee's sideburns. That's right. And he's also got he's got the untied bow tie and like the uh the tuxedo shirt and um so that's that's legit, that's canon. And mm-hmm. you know, yep. uh Shooty's gonna be tuxed up. Yeah. He's gonna that's- it's gonna be wearing a tux for the flux. Interesting. Maybe there's a thing where because we've we've seen Neil Patrick Harris in a tux, right? In yes, and, indeed. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the ballroom scene here. <laughs> uh, the celestial toy maker. Indeed, maybe they go dancing. Um and and maybe maybe this is a reason, you know, since we talked on the show before about the the tenants clothes regenerating. Uh we had a whole mini episode on that. Yeah. Uh, how that might suggest that the celestial toy maker is kind of dressing him up. Mm. Uh well maybe it continues. Maybe the mustache is like he's trying different facial hair on on the 15th doctor. Um, so it may not, it may not, uh, it may not last, <laughs> but yes, you're right. That, that is a Canon mustache. It, it is the first mustache in the, the doctor's history that, uh, that isn't fake. Yeah. We'll see as how far it goes. As we know. Um, anything more? To <laughs> no, no, I'm picturing like a brain of Morbius scene where it's like, how many mustaches have you had doctor? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's like season 82 of dr Who, where they just completely run out of you know there was a mustache in one of these backroom actors why don't we uh let me throw that in season it's a live mustache. it it's reminds like, me of the the simpsons episode where they like looked ahead to like season 80 or whatever of the simpsons it was like the simpsons are going to delaware <laughs> love it, love it. Oh, man. mustache so- of doom um, <laughs> other little tidbits he put in that interview, or it was an interview, it was a column. Um, yeah. He talks about how the diamond logo, he brought it back because he loves it, not because mm-hmm. it's the diamond anniversary. And that's good to know. But one of the big consequences of that is that it, it is staying. This is not a temporary logo. This is the mm-hmm. logo for the next era of Doctor Who, which is really, um, it's interesting that that it's the first, we haven't really talked about the logo on this show, even though we mentioned it. Um, mm. It's the first like rehash logo uh, of the new series if you know what i mean like yeah but um, it is the most beloved logo i i say that without fear of being correct i think it is the most beloved <laughs> logo from the old series it's it's the iconic one oh. yeah it's absolutely 100%. iconic and uh brings to mind baker like anyone in the u.s who remembers baker is going to look at this logo and go a little little piece of their childhood heart will jump out of their chest when you see that logo, right? Especially yeah, it was, when it's sort of spiffed up and shiny. It, it was everywhere. Um, if you look at Doctor Who magazines at the time and the merchandise mm. they did at the time, even I, I actually used to have the Doctor Who comic that Marvel Comics put out, which was really just yes. compilations from the magazine. Mm. And it had it actually had both logos because uh, I think it transitioned to the neon one. Uh, right. which, uh, I grew up with that one, so if Again, I understand why it may not be as beloved. I, I wouldn't mind seeing it back, but it is so emblematic of an era. Whereas the it's very eighties, yeah. The the diamond <laughs> logo. I mean, it's not explicitly seventies, right? Like that's the thing about it. It is 
probably font wise you could you could pick at it but it doesn't like you don't see the diamond logo it's like like oh what is this uh you know is Jimi hendrix going to be in the next episode or you know or uh, you know <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have a disco episode uh, you know it's just it's, it's 70s fun. but it's like timeless 70s it's like yeah, david totally. bowie 70s yeah you know it just stands for all time but yes uh well we, we should move on from that because there is this this rumor that we're going to get more than just uh, Doctor Who on Disney Plus. Yeah, so this is just a rumor again. It's one of these things that I think it was either the Mail or the Mirror that reported it. So take it with a big grain of salt. But um, I've it sounds like a strategy, right? Because everyone wants to do their multi universe. Well, not multi universe, but like a, mm-hmm. a cinematic universe type strategy. So the rumor is that in addition to the main show, as they figure out. The, what this universe looks like we're going to get shows that are based around monsters so you're going to have a dalek show a cyberman show a sea devil show maybe even a master show so wow. that's interesting idea you know i've we've been recently critical of the daleks being out on their own when from when we did the dalek podcast yeah um I le- obviously I love the idea of the franchise of Doctor Who expanding. We've seen that before with Sarah Jane Adventures, Torchwood. Even prior to that, you had K9 and Company, which wasn't much of anything, but like, you know, that there were attempts in the classic series. Um I, I don't know about this thing with um the monsters, but yeah. I mean being more charitable than I was in the 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 Dalek pod, you know, they they've kind of done it with big finish, you know, with with the Dalek Empire stuff. And doing more of that sounds interesting, but I just don't know if Doctor Who monsters have this critical mass of interest, right? It's kind of like doing, do you do the Empire show for... Uh, for for Star Wars, I mean, they obviously do their own shows, but I think I think you can't you could do it in Doctor mm-hmm. Who. I just don't know if the monster thing works. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, you, it really needs to focus on the hero. Uh, there are many companions out there that are still fighting. Uh, villainy as it as it pops up around yeah. the world so we we could see a lot of that um you know maybe maybe that's why graham was under the volcano maybe it's graham and ace uh taking on the the mm. silurians or whoever Not that bad. could be interesting or uh martha jones uh could be could be still out there uh, yeah kind of i mean exactly you kind of have and they have to stay on stand on their own mm-hmm. right there needs to be uh-huh. some character development and and things that they need to do beyond just fight the monsters yeah because um, if, if you want to make it marvel-esque like the you know yes marvel did the loki series but loki is you know he's he's a special case he's he's both uh you know charming rogue and and villain yeah uh, and you had a, and you, you had a great performer yeah, really exactly. got the character and could show that nuance, right? I'm mean, not that mm. you know. I've, there's a, a lot of actors in Doctor Who that have that, but it's there kind of has to be buy-in from more than just oh, this this would be neat to see, mm. you know, Ace slamming. <laughs> well, I don't know if the baseball bat would keep coming back, but yeah, I, th- I think Sophie Aldred would certainly be up for it. Oh, um, totally. Yeah, yeah. Just I, I would watch just a whole season of Sophie Aldred smashing stuff with a baseball bat. I think that would. <laughs> That would have true crossover appeal. I think you run that during the World Series. You know, you just like really appeal to the American audience with the baseball bat aspect. Um, yeah, but yeah, it could I be think, fun. I think, but I trust RTD. Exactly, I trust him. And I think right. he's made, he made the right calls with both Liz Sladen and John Barrowman in terms of yes. leading those other shows and sort of being up for that, and then building worlds around them. Right, and mm. the Sarah Jane one 
Uh, it's probably closer to what we'd see. I know Torchwood was more like tried to be an adult show in some ways. And I think mm. because of that, it consciously moved it, it. Yes, it was part of the Doctor Who universe, but it's not like Daleks were showing up or whatever. Right? Like there are other mm. things. So I think you could kind of have the material within the show closer, a la the Sarah Jane Adventures, but do it with a little more of an ensemble cast the way that Torchwood did it. So sort of a mix of those two. Mm. But again, could you do a whole bunch? I don't know. Like, mm. why not try it? But I'd also like, you know, every time you have a a turkey in this sort of experiment, it's going to sort of dilute the whole idea. So I, I hope they're a little cautious with it, assuming mm. it's even true. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yes, well, we have full faith and confidence in RTD to to figure it out and know how to do it. Um, But yeah, um, speaking of full faith and confidence, Pete, how are you feeling about TLDW? Oh my god. (laughs) <laughs> that was quite a segue thank you are we doing it <laughs> we're doing it talk about it i i think we procrastinated long yeah. enough i uh, think you're right it is time to invert our invasion and invade our inversion yeah and uh we always like to start off our uh discussion of uh of these uh stories that we do with a little segment we call tldw too long doctor who or too long didn't watch, or too long don't watch. Uh, I, I think too long do watch in this case. But um, but yeah, we we started off with one minute per new who story. Mm. Uh, one of us attempts to summarize, um, and uh, this week it is you, Pete, since I did blink. Oh, good God, okay. And you you have a luxurious two minutes. Do I? It's never luxurious. Yes. So this is the problem. It, it is with new who. Because I, it's just that packed. is true. It is packed. I don't think this is as packed as Blink. I have no, to say that one right. was a real barnstormer of a yeah. twisty plot. Yeah, with this one, um, you know, you could never like you don't want to overprepare. You don't want to underprepare for these things. I don't. Mm. We ta- we tend to pretty much underprepare because we, you know, obviously no notes, nothing. But I am. Uh, uh, it's it's one of these things, and I'll get to it in the pod commentary, where there's a, a a lot of things that they gloss over or say once when you feel like they should have said twice. And I I to, honestly will talk about it, but there's a few mm. things I still don't understand. So I'll do my best. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, let's let's pull up the stopwatch, right. and uh, here we go with the official pull to open summary of the Zygon invasion and Zygon inversion in three. Two, one, go. Okay, so we're picking up years after the day of the doctor when the Zygons and the humans worked out a peace treaty where 20 million Zygons would essentially have asylum on Earth as long as they kept human form. But there's a Zygon splinter group called Truth or Consequences that wants to essentially kill that treaty and reveal all the Zygons, thus inciting a war and uh, hoping that their side will win. The doctor gets wind of this because Osgood, who was killed by the master in the Cyberman episode, uh, was a key to holding this treaty in place there were two osgoods a human and a zygon version but one of them was killed we don't know which now the truth or consequences group captures 
uh, Osgood and the doctor and Clara and Kate Stewart at unit come together to figure out how to find her. They think she's in uh, maybe held in Turkmenistan in this Izagon training camp, but there's actually a town called Trusor Consequences in the United States that Kate goes to investigate. And uh, meanwhile, Clara stays in London with unit to sort of try to figure out what the Zygons are doing there. So what they, they free Osgood, even though the unit soldiers in Turkmenistan are uh, killed by the Zygon uh, splinter group. And uh, Clara goes into London and seems to, uh, underneath it, there's a lot of pods of Zygons that of people they've captured. And it turns out those are the original originals of the Zygons because they obviously Zygons can duplicate themselves. They can change their appearance. And it turns out the Clara that we've been watching is actually a Zygon. And um, she uh, gets she's the leader of the, the Truth or Consequences group. So what happens is the doctor nearly gets destroyed. Uh, Kate Stewart kills the Zygon and Truth or Consequence. They all come together at the Black Archive at the Tower of London, and there's these boxes that could kill either side. The Doctor talks the Zygon leader, Bonnie, out of it, even though she's in, Clara, she's in Clara's form, and they uh, the, the, she turns into Osgood again, and so they're now two Osgoods, and they did, she promises to keep the peace, and, and it's... Uh, Time! Wow, yeah, you, you pulled it out there at the end. You got... I was a little worried because you were, um, yeah. <laughs> you were definitely, uh, you were still in episode one for about ninety seconds. Well, I think it's it's kind of the meteor episode plot wise. Yes, certainly. It so, is. like, I, I, it makes sense. I wasn't too worried about that. I definitely had to gloss over the plane stuff and how they all kind of came back. Um, uh, but you know, like, it's essentially like that that scene with them with the osgood boxes and button hands on buttons is obviously like the everything is leading up to that and mm. um well i couldn't fully explain it i think you know i got the gist of it so i was uh, i was thinking uh, what do you think of this pete I, I thought we might do uh something a little new for this story given that i reviewed it for mashable at the time Ooh. when it came out in 2015 we were both at mashable at the time and uh i i would love to uh, read out that review uh, okay. we'll, we'll we'll do it one by one. We'll do right. we'll do the invasion. I'll, I'll I can skip over some bits. It's not it's not that bit. Uh, not that big a review, but maybe uh, you can sort of respond to it because I kind of uh, my overall impression has not changed, and this gotcha. may I may be kind of running uh, against the uh, the grain here because I saw that this uh, <laughs> both these episodes are pretty well reviewed. Chris is going to go out now, guys, and we'll just gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to talk to his review. Uh, but that, no, no, no. That's, that's so fine. I gave it. I gave the, the Zygon Invasion a C plus. Um, I won't read the intro because it, it it starts off by talking about the Day of the Doctor, explains the Day of the Doctor, explains why the Zygons worked. They're a fan favorite, genuinely terrifying with giant heads and red suckers. Although all over their lizard bodies, they were the stuff of a fever dream. You see, I was talking mm. about Doctor Who fever dreams even then, uh, <laughs> and yet they'd only appeared in one story. Uh, the subplot yeah. a neat resolution. Um, now here comes the follow-up Zygon Invasion, which unfortunately suffers greatly by comparison. Uh, Stephen Moffat says he's envisioned this part of the plot first, and the Zygon pl- subplot in Day of the Doctor emerged as a kind of prequel. Um, right. But by assembling much of the same cast and introducing a new wrinkle, the Splinter Group, uh, I said it, it ends up looking like a poor man's Day of the Doctor. And part of the, be- the problem is that the best returning member of that cast, Ingrid Oliver's Osgood, is missing an action for most of the episode. 
Mm. Uh, there are never enough good things to say about Osgood, a unit scientist who is at once earnest, lovable, and an affectionate parody of the nerdiest elements of fandom. Uh, when she was disintegrated in Death and Heaven, which uh, somewhere else we've been, so it's kind of interesting the randomizer right. uh, has chosen this. Uh, all the was good episodes in, yeah, indeed, a collective outpouring of grief and nerd rage. That's right, we have we've we've um, completed the Osgood trilogy. Is she in any other? I don't think Story? so. Someone, yeah. <laughs> I, I, now, I have less confidence in my uh, <laughs> knowledge, but no, I don't think comes to mind. Anyway, I, I did say that uh, we, you know, we should remember she has an, uh, a Zygon double. Osgood number two's refusal to say which one she is is very well handled, human or Zygon. Uh, right. A deliberate decision to help preserve a tenuous peace. Uh, science fiction shows that bring characters back from the dead without explanation. I'm looking at you, Battlestar Galactica, should take notes. Um, mm. Unfortunately, right. it make, the decision makes the story a hunt for Osgood. Uh, it gives you the same problems you have in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Um, and I suggested maybe also, because we hadn't seen The Force Awakens at that point, maybe just you know hunting for Luke Skywalker might have the same problem. The person we want to see, the person sort of, you know, the, the greatest character, isn't on screen for at least most of the first episode. Um, but so it's, do you want me to... Uh, to respond to this or you got yeah more? yeah yeah I'll, I'll pause there and, and and see what you had to say about that so a bunch of things <laughs> so first of all like i want to get like i don't i want to be clear like i don't i i'm not slamming on osgood right like i just mm. but i don't i don't hold her up as high as as i think you do or certain other people do like it's great she's fun she's great to see but i mean the fact that she's not in the first episode that much doesn't bother me because I'm not like I wasn't really like longing to see her. I feel like Osgood works and she's fun, but she she's a little too much of a meta joke for me to take her a hundred percent seriously as kind of a main mm. character. Mm. Um, all that like I love the stuff in the second part where she is talking about how she would if she was the doctor's enemy, she would never let him even get talking. She would kill him like immediately 12 times if necessary. I think yes. those are genius lines. Mm. Um, she's super fun. Uh, but I, again, other than that, I'm just like, uh, is she really that memorable? Is she really that great a character? I, I don't know. It's um, interesting watching it again after power of the doctor, because this time I, I noticed that, you know, Osgood one has the scarf, which we saw in day mm. of the doctor. And then Osgood two has the question mark sweater. Uh, which right. just post power of the doctor. That's like, Oh, you know, they, this makes me think of the master cosplaying the doctor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like, maybe a little, little too obvious now. I like that. She has that commentary. There's, they talk about the question mark. Yeah. Uh, on, Why on did his, you stop wearing question yeah. marks? And he says, I, I wear question mark underpants, which yeah. is, and we'll get to this. I think the doctor's a little too erring on the side of loosey goosey. I hundred percent agree. Yeah. Like there's there's too many of those moments that Moffat just I think fell in love with as a line. But yes. there was a, a kind of an opportunity to do something else. Like it's fine to do jokes to mm. a point, but there there I think there was an opportunity. Like that's I know it's a minor thing, but there was an opportunity there to explore how he's changed and make even a met, more of a meta comment about the new series versus the old series or something. Like mm. you know, he could say like I've found that. Uh, being enigmatic is overrated or something like that. I mean, yeah. you know, which might not necessarily be true or whatever. I mean, interpreted, you could have given something more there for fans to interpret, which is mm. unfortunate. JNT um, would spin in his grave. Uh, um, 
But the, the other thing you talked about was the Zygons. And I totally, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what it is about the Zygons because I totally agree. I think they're a great villain. I think they're a great monster. Mm-hmm. Um, just the look of them is really, really cool. I, I can understand why people kind of wanted to see them back. I, I, I remember I was in that uh, one of the Doctor Who fan clubs in the 80s. And yeah. th- somehow Zygons just came up more than, like, say, the Terraleptils or the Autons <laughs> or whatever, right? Like, you just kind of like, eh, Zygons. It's, it's just fun to say, Zygons. Yes. It's, good. it's a fun name it's a uh, fun name uh, i mean it was it gave me a great headline uh, for this review which was let zygons be zygons um <laughs> and uh but it's also it's the triangular head it really just yeah. it's something so creepy about that i love it with the suckers and everything it's such well, a great design one of the things i really like about this episode in particular because it does it much more than any other of the Zygon episodes. It shows that they are a multifaceted race, which is mm. always more interesting. Yes, it's fun to see the Daleks and the Cybermen and the Autons to some extent, like there's these sort of soul mono, not literally monochromatic, but like they all kind of like, they're more of a force than a set of characters mm. uh, almost every time. And um, that's that's fun to do, but I really like it when you do things like like say the Silurians and the Zygons here, where you see the the villains have disagreements, the monsters have disagreements. They're not just one note um, yes. villains. And here, you, it really makes you think about it, and sort of the the bigger analogies they're making with like, oh, there's a splinter group within them, mm. and oh, you know, so the Zygons, so, you know, and, and there's there's also the Zygon in uh, the second part where he's just like, I just want to. I just want to hang out, like you know, have TV dinners or whatever, and just live my life. And <laughs> and he's being denied yeah. that, and you really feel for him, right? Like I really like that they've they they went there with the Zygons. And also, the last thing I'll say, I love 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 that finally, as much as Kate Stewart loves it, they're not immune to bullets. Like yes, you, they're not super invulnerable, and you need they're, they're so formidable. Like you know, too often Doctor Who writes itself into a corner with super formidable villains and it really robs the credibility often in the final moments or the final episode of like how they're actually defeated because it's like well you just mm. spent all this time setting them up as this massive force even blake suffers a little bit from this right yeah we talk and, and even that. even dalek like that that's perhaps mm-hmm. one of the few duff notes on in dalek is the fact that the soldiers just keep firing bullets at the dalek once it's clear that you cannot just get you know you can't do anything um yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe you concentrate on the ice dog but like nothing's happening anyway to get back to the zygons here's here's what i said about the the problem in uh, particularly in Zygon invasion, uh, every other Zygon human double situation, other than Osgood, is played for maximum confusion, maximum cliches, and minimum believability. Mm. Uh, the Doctor spends a scene talking to creepy twin girls, lifted from The Shining. Yeah. Um, the girls are later vaporized with not enough set setup to make us fully aware they were the Zygon High Command, and we just witnessed a coup by the Splinter Group. Uh, meanwhile, Kate Stewart uh, spends half the episode in Truth of Consequences with a stereotypical battle-scarred police officer straight out of a Walking Dead-type apocalypse show. Uh, right. Some 15 minutes of overacting later, the officer becomes a Zygon, inducing eye-rolling rather than terror. Uh, yeah. And, so a yeah. so, couple things here. Uh, yeah. So the the little girl thing I thought was clever plot-wise. That's... That's yeah. fun and interesting to see, like the high command, um, essentially take on these forms that are super tiny, vulnerable. You would, uh, in other words, you know, sort of subverting their expectations. Here's the thing that doesn't work. And speaking as a parent, 
If you see creepy guy going up to little girls <laughs> at a playground, yes. where there are other kids. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if they're your kids or not. Mm-hmm. You are gr- you're walking right up to that guy, and you're saying, "Hey, what are you doing? What 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 are you doing?" Like yeah, this was, was really red flag for me. This was really the wrong doctor to choose because uh, if any doctor looks like a guy you'd you'd steer your kids away from, it's Capaldi. <laughs> It's eyebrows. Right? It's the yeah. it's the attack eyebrows. Yeah, um, and and nobody. If 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 it was Jody's doctor, it would be fine, right? You you totally, totally. believe it. Oh, but, yeah, and you, um, you could and they, they could make easily make some excuse, be friendly about it. You know, oh, just just the local nutritionist or something, or the local preschool. Yeah. I don't know. Like it would be a little weird, but still, it would it would be all right. Um, so that 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 just felt wrong. Yeah. Um, the other stuff in Truth or Consequences, I got so hung up on her being alone. Like yes. literally, you just you, it was just you, Kate. You, like what? You have no backup whatsoever. And she even seriously, says, oh, there's no backup. Like, well, wait a minute. Why does she have no backup? Why? <laughs> why? And also, so we're supposed to believe that everyone in Truth or Consequences go. First of all, we're supposed to believe that only Clara knows that Truth or Consequences is a town in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nobody googled I, it. Yeah, no, no, Google it, as the doctor said. Like, even the doctor didn't know, um, which is just crazy. I, I, I thought... Yeah, agreed. I thought, and, uh, yeah, I thought everyone knew about Truth or Consequences. Well, and I gotta and say, this kinda, it kind of got by me, and I, maybe I just, I don't know, like, what, why is the actual town Truth or Consequences even involved? Did Did they, that town, inspire the name of the Zygon Splinter Group? Um, like, it just seems like this too clever writing. Like what, what, what was that? Like, had, like yeah, it, it almost seems... feels like a bootstrap paradox in terms of yeah. writing. Like there was no original idea of truth. Or... Was it the town or the splinter group? Like which came first? I mean, Doctor Who, it, it appears when, when Doctor Who does America, uh, uh, it's either Manhattan or it's, you know, Western desert. Right. Right, <laughs> like there's no in between, and it just that so much of the Zygon invasion feels like a BBC show trying to do an American movie on the cheap. Uh, yeah. So many American movie cliches, like they they just can't do it. Like you know the way that all the unit officers are dressed up, and you know that the lingo mm-hmm. they use, and all of that, it just doesn't wash for me. And maybe it's because I, you know, I know the the unit head officer that they have in the. Uh, Turkmenistan, Turkmenistan, or whatever it's called. Yeah. No, it can't be uh, Turkmenistan because I think yes, that's exactly. real. <laughs> exactly. That's right. They've disguised <laughs> it cleverly, although they haven't. <laughs> it's they haven't disguised the name of the American state. It's new. It's not New Mexico. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird. But like, new truth or consequence, it's a town of six thousand two hundred people. You'd mm. think you would know if everyone in it had disappeared. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a bit yeah like it's like there's a bubble in in all of these sort of little zones that they sort of create and yeah. it's just not realistically sort of interacting with the real world. I gotta say the Turkmenistan stuff. Okay, so honestly, I thought that part performances or Americanisms aside, I thought that worked. But hmm. I would say it worked upon reflection. I remember at the time. So this is obviously the seed where the unit soldiers who have been trained to understand that the mm-hmm. Zygons will change appearance to people they know and try to confuse them. Yes. Indeed, despite that training, they are basically confused enough. And uh, I think on an intellectual level, this 
this shouldn't work, but no. on an emotional level, it does. Like to explain, I think it's like that that doubt you can't you can't train yourself out of it. You know, you just you can't shoot your mom. Even if there's a one percent chance they're telling the truth, you're gonna put down your gun. And even though you, you, everyone's screaming at the TV, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, I I was less bothered by that this time because I'm like, well, that's just what you're gonna do. You're like, you're gonna have to either do an airstrike or something because this isn't. You can't just send people in there because uh, they they they'll always just put down the gun. And I think that that whether true or not, I get that's the point Moffat was trying to make. And mm. I think actually it kind of works. What did you think? Yeah, it's it's a bit like I can believe that they wouldn't shoot, but then you, to go the extra step of having them just follow the Zygons into the church. Right. Like, come in, take a look. And they're all just like, you have to go a, an extra step and say that they've been hypnotized somehow. Yeah, that's uh, fair. You have to throw in a line about that. Um, because otherwise, I mean, it, it does have a kind of a fever dream logic to it in the sense of like, you watch yourself in dreams do something sort of increasingly stupid and you're like, no, no, why? Like, so it's it's dream logic. But, but yeah, you just need an extra little bit there, an extra yeah. line. They should have glossed on something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. otherwise, it's 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 not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that whole thing of like the single police officer and it's it's, it's such a like uh, at this point the the uh, the smart thing to do in the script, uh, which was uh, Peter Harness, I believe, was the writer uh, mm-hmm. for this one. Rather than uh, the the second one was done as a, as a co script with uh, with Moffat, or at least Moffat's name is on the second one as well. Um, but it just it's it's like we're we're so trained to expect reversals like that by mm-hmm. modern movies. Like it's such a cliche to have everything be a reversal. And right. oh no, yeah. oh no, she's not actually Lisa. Oh no, it's not actually Clara. Like you know, it, it the the. the 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 thing to do to upend her expectations would actually be to have, you know, people you didn't expect to turn into a Zygon, and maybe you didn't expect right. Clara. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I do get to the Clara thing. Um, it, the Clara as a Zygon reveal is muddied because we start wondering why she took her Clara pretense so far as to gasp when she saw herself in a Zygon pod. Why bother? Yeah. Why not just turn on yeah. the unit team as soon as you have them where you want them in the Zygon pit? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Like she knows she's on a TV show. Yeah, yeah, the Clara, the Clara reveal, um, I think is good. It, it, uh, um, apart from that, like I do like mm-hmm. that she ends up being a Zygon, and I think Coleman in the second episode is amazing. Like in terms yes. of her performance, so um, inversion certainly levels things up. But I'm, as I'm sure your review will <laughs> <laughs> reveal. But yeah, it's, I mean, the, the problem is, you know, and, and I, I get to this, uh, I, I, I talk about it later on as like, you can hear the thud of the chess pieces as, as everyone has yeah. moved into place in this episode. Like it's so, it feels so artificial. And part of that uh, I get to next is the doctor's motivations. Hmm. Uh, the new Lucy goosey version. I'd, you know, I defended the Sonic sunglasses uh, I don't know if you were a fan of Sonic sunglasses. In, I think in it's, it was a fine experiment to do. Yeah, yeah. I like it. It's fine. It's no less silly than the screwdriver. I like the electric guitar. Seems like the kind of thing a time traveling immortal will get around to learning at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, here was the th- the thing that went too far with me with the Doctor to watch him decide to fly rather than take the TARDIS to Turkmenistan right. uh, when time is on the efforts because he wants to quote ponce about in a big plane. 
it seems a rock star step too far. Uh, it's the same plane the doctor was forced to board when he became the emergency president of the world. Um, yeah. Now he boards it like a hungover Keith Richards doing his President Nixon impression. Uh, you know, yeah. and this, this is a Time Lord who just detests being trapped in any kind of metal box. And, you know, he's super impatient and he wants to get where he's going. And and now he just fancies hanging out in business class on a 10-hour transatlantic flight or, you know, cross-continental flight or whatever it is. Um, and it's just so clearly maneuvering him into position so that Bonnie can attack him with a bazooka. You know, mm. and it just makes him seem dumb to me. I agree. It's one of these things where, you know, as we said, Moffat's kind of, um, he, it's almost done purely. Like, obviously, there's the plot reason to, for the rocket launcher, but like, he just kind of wants to make that joke about mm. him poncing about, which is funny. I mean, it's, he actually makes it a couple of times. Um, and similarly, the, the Union Jack. Yeah, <laughs> that, that may be it. <laughs> he's again, he's goes from Keith Richards to James to James Bond, basically. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's hilarious, but there's no reason for it. Like yeah. what 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 the president of the earth gets a Union Jack um And uh, the essential thing about the doctor and, and the presidency of the earth, just like the presidency of Gallifrey, like is that he resists it. He he doesn't want it to happen in yeah. Dark Water, Death and Heaven, right? Which is kind of like the poncing about line. I think yeah. Moffat thinks he's it's the get out of jail free card for that that it isn't right. Like mm. it isn't because well, if you're not if that if if you you're making fun of people poncing about in these things, why are you doing it? Yeah, you know. Um, so he just doesn't really follow through on what is actually a really nice sort of subversive idea about authority. Yeah. Um, and we we don't mention it, but like people died on that pl- the pilot and uh, the crew, right. whoever's on that plane, unless that plane was flying itself, uh, people died because the doctor wanted to ponce about on that big plane. Well, and I don't want to fast forward too far uh, because I think we're going to get to inversion next. But this is one yes. of my issues with the whole resolution, um, which is why honestly I'm, I think I am less of a fan of this story than I was at the time because everything in the two parter is again chess pieces moved clumsily to mm. do this master stroke of speech for Peter yes. Capaldi which is probably his definitive speech and it moment is. in his entire run so it is so a, a cut above like everything else in the episode and it's it's, it's huge and a cut above a lot mm-hmm. of the other things he's done um but it does ultimately gloss over a lot of the the tragedy that's happened and sure some of it was off screen but mm-hmm. some of it wasn't you know the unit soldiers all getting slaughtered um you know the the town of truth or consequences all these things and you are a little yeah. bit like okay like am i supposed to think about that i'm probably not supposed to but i you made me think about it so i am mm-hmm. uh one it doesn't work as a plot uh resolution because at the very end kate stewart's memory is apparently erased well you can't erase all those deaths so yes. what exactly happened? And it doesn't work, you know, emotionally when you get have more time to reflect to it on it as mm. I as I did this time. And so I love love Capaldi's moment. It's a great moment. We'll talk about it. But story wise, I think this one it it it, it yeah. suffers. It makes the overall overall experiment suffer. Unfortunately, it's problematic for so many reasons. Uh, pre and and post, right? Uh, the speech, mm. right? Like you're, you're right. The speech is absolute genius it gives me shivers every time it gave me shivers this time Mm. and if that's all the episode was 
it would be great. But they undercut the speech by revealing that it, he's done it, what, 17 times, he says? 15. He says 15 times. Another 15 times. This is either the 15th or the 6th, I forget. But... I, I, 17 is the number of DVDs that uh, <laughs> Sally Sparrow had in Blink. That's why 17 <laughs> is stuck in my head. Thank you, Blink. You know your uh, numbers. <laughs> How many um, doctors have there been, though? Whoa, no. Yeah. Um, okay, so I gave I gave Zygon Inversion a B-plus grade. Okay. Uh, and I talked about the poignancy of the speech and the fact that, you know, uh, few wars have been described accurately to the participants in advance and uh, mm, you know news right. on how great it would have been if the first world war generals had had known that it wouldn't be over by christmas or uh lbj had known what vietnam was going to turn into or you know george bush had known yeah. what iraq was going to turn into there right and that's that's kind of what the doctor does Ukraine. Here. i mean geez. yes exactly uh, you know, if if someone had given that speech to Putin about, you know, well, what do you do uh, once you've attained your utopia, right? Um, mm. And that that's what it, you know. It's uh, what are you going to do about the rebellious bonnies of the next generation? And that question is what inverts the Zygon invasion. Yeah, um, it's it's just a yeah. masterful speech. Um, I I was you know like really loved it at the time. Capaldi so steps up. Mm. Um, Coleman gives him a lot to work with i think her eyes say so much in that scene especially when she changes yes. you know i think she she really you know like it looks like she's not doing as much as him and she is it but it is like she's she's not delivering uh she's not phoning it in by any stretch no oh my goodness and i do to to skip a little bit ahead in this review i su- do say uh you know the remainder of the episode belongs to the brilliant jenna coleman who manages to thoroughly convince as both sides in the clara bonnie battle of wits a showdown conducted over a tv could have easily looked laughable and coleman de- deserves the credit for making it work uh, and I particularly called out the, the bit where, you know, she's trapped in the house and like that, that wonderful sort of nightmarish yeah. aspect of you open the door and the door's just bricked up. Um, and, uh, you know, and she keeps her head and, and, and also how much this shows the, the development of Clara. Um, cause I contrasted it with how she reacts to the, the clockwork man in a uh, deep breath, um, where she was just terrified. She was so terrified. Mm. Uh, but here she overcomes her fear of being trapped in that house. She overcomes the fear of Bonnie and manages to, you know, uh, text the doctor using Bonnie's fingers and all of this. Yeah, um, well, also, I love yeah. that bit, like, where, you know, these, again, it sort of humanizes the Zygons, but it, you need mm. to weigh a credible way for your heroes to sort of turn the tables on the or their captors or their enemies. And I think the way they... Um, delve into the human Zygon connection here is is interesting. You know, it's mm-hmm. like they're linked, and I love the bit where because uh, obviously she can use Clara can use it to her advantage to sort of manipulate Bonnie to get a message to the doctor. But then when they uh, talking to each other later, it's like the one thing you can never do is lie to me. And I thought yeah. that's that's very that makes a ton of sense. And you know, they're, they're both kind of like using the connection against each other. Um, yes. Really smart writing. And it really gives it the wonderful visual of, of Bonnie kind of holding her two fingers yeah. to her pulse. Yeah. I, I love that part. That's, that's so good. It's like, I'll know, I'll know, um, you know, which makes that not just a psychological, but also gives you the physical aspect of it as well. Um, so fantastic. But yeah, a, a lot of filler to get us there and a lot of filler to get us to the black archive scene. Mm-hmm. And then, 
this is why I say, you know, uh, I raise the question, why not give this episode an A grade? Because we, when we find out the boxes aren't connected to anything, it takes the wind out of the scene sails. The threat was never real. Uh, it's happened 15 times already. Presumably he gave the same speech every time. Wouldn't it feel a little shop worn by now? Um, well, also, like, uh, why is she behaving differently now? Mm-hmm. You know, like, it doesn't make sense. If your memory's been erased and you're getting the same speech every time, what is different about this time? The only thing I can figure out is that the doctor himself is iterating and that yeah. he's improving the speech every time, getting to know Bonnie better every time. And then uh, this is it. He's perfected it and finally gotten through to her. So, mm. but... Again, I just I think it's just under the whole 15 thing doesn't work story wise and it just undercuts the whole thing. It's just you kind of feel too fooled as a a viewer, right? Like it's the final reveal, but it ends up being a rug pull. It's a Moffat step too far. We've talked before on the show about how Moffat loves to write about memory Mm -hmm. and the loss of memory. Obviously, that's that's a big deal with the silence. Uh, we noted it in the beast below, and that might be another reason why the randomizer brought us here, because it doesn't quite work in the beast below either, right? Because they, uh, just to remind you, if you if you hit the forget button on the beast below, as many of us did, uh, that <laughs> people were asked on Starship UK to vote uh, whether to protest or forget the fact that they were riding on the back of a giant star whale. Uh, and people always voted to forget, apparently. So clearly Moffat mm. loves this, the memory wiping idea. He plays with it with the Black Archives and Day of the Doctor as well, yeah. uh, where it the really worms. works. Remember the, the memory mem- worms? I did forget the memory worms. <laughs> <laughs> One of the memory worms. <laughs> yeah, that was usually played for laughs yeah. with respect to Strax, and you touch the memory uh, worm and you lose a certain amount of uh, memory. And I think that oh. eventually that's how they defeated the human part of the great we'll get to that it's in this yeah. and the, the, the simian ah, who's, uh, okay okay fueling the great intelligence yes. indeed okay yeah so clearly Moffat is just a little too enamored with the idea of writing about how scary it is forget to forget things because mm. we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't have that like yes it's in the black archive but if this is clearly post day of the doctor like why are we going back to the the black archive thing and also wouldn't the zygons have thought that it was in the black archives like the big reveal after two episodes is the osgood box is in the black archive like the first place (laughs) you should have looked (laughs) (laughs) why wouldn't they think it's in a secret base underneath a london landmark come on you almost want the doctor to say remarkable why (laughs) we still have the set (laughs) (laughs) let's go yes it's it's a different it's different kind of set anyway like it doesn't even look like the same black archive set uh just uh it's kind of lit um, the same mm, yeah i got vibes on it uh when you know particularly when Tennant and smith had their feet up because they could do a callback to that Um, oh yeah i love that very similarly from the top down so Mm. I mean, the best part of the speech, I will just to, just to really nail that one to the mast, uh, it's the fact that the doctor talks about his own pain mm. in it, right? He it talks about like hearing screaming inside his head all, all the time, like all of the, yeah. all of the mistakes he's made, all of, all of the, you know, the, the trolley problems as it were that he's had to, uh, he's had to solve over the years. Uh, you know, he has, even if, he wasn't responsible for the destruction of Gallifrey. He's been responsible for the destruction of a lot 
yes. and the, the death of a lot of people. And he, I, I, I it still gives me chills now to think of it. That whole line of like, what do you take with that? What do you do with that pain? What do you do with those screams? You, you turn it into something that, you know, you make sure no one ever has to do that again. Yeah. Oh yeah. Goodness. Oh, it's amazing. It's perfect. And yeah. it's honestly like, it's not just a great moment for Capaldi's doctor. It's a moment, great moment for the doctor. I think it really mm-hmm. shows how he has dealt with, uh, healed and recovered from the time war, uh, mm-hmm. and his, his, you know, everything he dealt with there, I think. And, you know, this is kind of a little bit of, um, red calling, conning emotionally, I'll admit, but like, if you look at the way, Eccleston played the doctor all the way through um, Tennant and Smith. And again, they sort of did that, did their best with this too, with day of the doctor too. But I think here mm. you kind of really get kind of the emotional feeling and the explanation at the same time of like what, what, how, what, how he sees that now that he remembers it all, you know, yeah. post, post day of the doctor. And it's, Indeed. Yeah, yeah. It does feel like an evolution, right? It, it feels like the next step from the man who regrets and the man who forgets, and now here's the man who takes all that pain and anger and fury at himself and uses it for good. Yeah. And I kind of, I would love to see them go a little further with a, a sort of a multi-doctor journey with RTD sort of building on this. Cause it's like, I feel like this is a, almost a capstone on the whole time ward emo- emotional journey. And then, but taking further what's happened since then, right, with Whitaker and the destruction yes. of Gallifrey, and they they she played that really well. I don't know if Chibnall sort of knew where he wanted to go emotionally with that, but uh, I think RTD, in terms of that journey, doesn't I don't you know he doesn't have to explain everything or whatever. Um, uh, even though the whole weeping angels destroying Gallifrey thing is really good, you could still use that RTD. But um, I think yes. seeing like there's a see like journey- week's episode for that. Yes, but there's there's a new emotional journey to go on now, right? And I think there there are things he could go with um, God was doctor uh, yeah. in in terms of a multi perhaps even a multi year emotional arc to sort of figure out where he fits in the cosmos now. So like I like yeah. that idea of the doctor is constantly recovering from some trauma or of some kind. Yeah. And uh you know it's it's a journey that we we go with uh, we go with him on and it, you know there are there are milestones on it and this is definitely uh, a big one in the whole new mm-hmm. era. And I can't imagine another actor like this is really where Capaldi shows that he is one of the best actors, uh, you know, for, from a from an actor's actor perspective, yeah. uh, to take on the role of the Doctor, maybe the best. Um, mm-hmm. Just in the, just in that sense, just in the sense of acting the crap out of this scene, because um, you really you feel the emotion so yeah. powerfully in a way that I don't know if any other Doctor could do that. The way that he that righteous fury. Um, yeah. You know, when he's it, on the verge of breaking down in a couple of points, right? Like yeah. he really believes it. Like again, I I love all the other doctors and Smith, Tennant, mm. Eccleston. I could see maybe Eccleston doing it just because he was sort maybe, of the most. Yeah, Eccleston could be good. Eccleston, um, you've got to be able to like turn on a dime between impersonating yeah. an American game show host and you know yelling with rage and fury, and part of it's yeah. yourself. You know the rawness of that. So to go from the you know sarcastic accent to raw emotion in five seconds and make you believe it, make yeah. you not really see the well, left turn. This is kind of why, like you, re- he really mm. sells the idea of and Coleman too of that someone of that mindset, that terrorist mindset, which I don't mm. think 
rational people can never really fully understand, but like reversing themselves and sort of really, yeah. you know, once you're faced with what you're is going to happen afterward, again, I, you know, I'm not saying like, uh, the real world tends to be a little more obviously gritty and, and complicated, but mm. I wouldn't mind seeing this speech as a required viewing for anyone who's thinking about being a terrorist, right? Because yes. you should really think through where you're going with this. And again, like certainly uh, a lot of these causes that people attach themselves to are beyond this kind of thing. So I'm not, I'm yeah. not under no illusions that it would yeah. make a ton of difference in the real world, but Hey, it's worth a shot. It's funny you should say that because I, I I wrote this paragraph. It's a brilliant piece of television, the kind of scene you want to show to every warring tribe on Earth. Hmm. Simply telling revenge seekers to break the cycle of violence has never worked. Making them imagine the true consequences, the counter-revenge, a generation down the line by people who think just like they do, that might right. do the trick. Uh, yes. And I think it's it's real. I, I think maybe maybe the UN should be, uh, you know, <laughs> this should be required <laughs> viewing at the UN. I'd love to see that. I you would know. too. It'd be yeah, awesome. Get get, uh, get uh, you know uh, Putin uh, up on stage with the truth or consequences button, and uh, yeah, get him. So to, one uh, of the things I wanted to ask you about that I don't think fully worked for me. Mm-hmm was the idea that if all the Zygons, and again, we know it's the boxes don't have real things hooked up to them, so this probably wouldn't have happened anyway, but if the Zygons are suddenly all revealed on Earth, yeah. so they're genuine form, what did they, I said, they said a lot, right? It was like 20 million, so it's a lot. Yes. Um, does that really mean instant war? You know what I mean? Like, is it it's suddenly, like, especially if they're still themselves, right? They're not being controlled by truth or consequences. They're just revealed. Yes. So they still, most of these people, presumably, uh, still just want to be peaceful and like, hey, you know, yeah. we don't want it. We don't want a war. Like, would there really be a war? Like, we'd be all uh, yeah. freaked out a bit. And certainly there'd be some violence and skirmishes. And there'd be like, well, how the hell did this even happen? You know, like who who agreed mm-hmm. to this? But would would the world end? Like, would, would both people want to just kill each other off the bat? Like, I don't know if that I, I'd like to think that wouldn't happen. That might happen in the classic series. Yeah, <laughs> but today, I mean, it, it does. It does speak to the notion that Bonnie's group is just they, like a lot of terrorists, they don't actually know what they're doing. Uh, they think, oh, right. you know, we'll, we'll provoke a war. Uh, well, no, you're actually just signing your own death warrant, yeah. right? You know, I mean that that was what Bin Laden did, right? You know, exactly. attack the World Trade Center, uh, you know, to provoke a war, and he said he wanted, you know, to provoke America into becoming a uh, a fascist uh, militaristic nation. Well, you know, it just it, it just ended with his own, you know, shooting yeah. uh, twelve years later. Um, and yeah, uh, what's and I, within the story is like that. I wish they would sort of maybe been a bit more explicit about that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, cause one of the buttons was supposed to do that, you know? Yes. So, but like it is a little, well, if it happens, that that's a lot less of a consequence than say releasing a gas that will assuredly kill all the Zygons, which again, what nothing was hooked up. But if you're imagining these things are real, one is a bigger consequence than the other. Yes, indeed. The gas we should mention, we haven't mentioned it yet, but uh, this is uh, what Harry Sullivan has been working on, right? Yeah. <laughs> and another randomizer connection, we learn that he was working on a secret project in Mordron Undead. Mm, that's true. You remember? Yeah. And yeah. that's what this turns out to be. Something hush-hush important down, which is a real place, apparently. I think the <laughs> it is indeed. Um, 
And uh, I think the doctor kind of repeats his line from Revenge of the Cybermen about Harry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, again, another randomizer connection. So it's it's like totally all connected to, to shows that we've done. Like it feels like the randomizer have been building up to this. Exactly. For it's been over a year. Speaking of chess pieces, right? <laughs> really? <laughs> sure. We did Dan the Doctor, you yeah. know, a Modern Undead, uh, Revenge of the Cybermen. Yep. It's all there. It's all there. It's extraordinary. And and yeah, so the randomizer is showing us that it's a better writer of plot than Stephen Moffat. Uh, the way it moves its chess pieces into place. We didn't even know that we were heading here. It's brilliant. Um, but yeah, to, to your point, um, I, I also had a paragraph about, and this is the last quote I'll, I'll give you from the review, hmm. um, where they, uh, you know, uh, they encounter a poor chap whose bon- Bonnie has involuntarily transformed back into a Zygon. Uh, she did it and un- uploaded a video of the transformation in the hopes that the human race would declare war in fear and disgust at a YouTube video, which suggests she really hasn't spent a lot of time on YouTube. <laughs> yep <laughs> which is like yeah you saw that on youtube you'd just be like okay you'd be like oh cool cgi cool cgi yeah. bro um first feel of like all happy slapping was better than this <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> you'd be like what is that costume is it halloween already is this yeah, the new trend that? i have to get on i'm sure i'm going to see 10 videos like this on tiktok tomorrow you know exactly be, it would be remixed uh, on tiktok so fast <laughs> <laughs> people would be running down the street in their own Zygon costumes. <laughs> yeah, it definitely seems like one of the points here is terrorists are dumb. Yep. <laughs> Except when Pretty they're much. talking to the human captor, they're replicating and holding their wrist to check their pulse. They're pretty dumb. Mm. Um, so here's another thing. Like Kate Stewart's in this. We love Kate Stewart. Uh, it's really great to see her again. And Gemma Redgrave is is outstanding as always. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, though, I think it's showing over time. Uh, I think we we the show is forgotten and we've forgotten. I think that in the very first time she appeared, which I believe was the Power of Three, she mm-hmm. was supposed to be more of this moderated version of the Brigadier, right? Like the Brigadier mm-hmm. was always, you know let's go lads you know and uh let's make sure we surround things and call in an airstrike etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah, um, always call it an airstrike That's... yeah so but kate was supposed to be from the sort of scientific side or or she she had both uh, mm. chops she was both sort of military and and a thinker and i feel like over time because you no longer have that full-on soldier she's drifted in that direction because too many scripts need it like she mm. seems like she's pretty quick to want to bomb things or set off bombs or shoot people, which again is all very cool. And I really, you know, the five rounds rapid, that's a great callback. Um, <laughs> what, but, what is that from? Was the original? That was from the Damons. Yes. Mm. Chop of the wings there. Five rounds rapid. <laughs> so love it. Um, it's all, it's all great, but I do feel like uh, she, she's she's not quite like we already have a doctor and we already have an Osgood, so she kind of just inherently sort of takes on the role of soldier, um, yeah. which is fine. Again, I think for this episode it really works, and I think the fact that she's the first one to close the box is one you know shows she's more the rational one, but also like probably does is sort of an eleventh hour recovery of mm-hmm. that um, intellectual scientific smart choice person that i think she was always supposed to be yeah i i do speaking of uh soldiers and the the person who really plays the soldier here uh is uh 
uh, an actress called Rebecca Front, who plays the the character Walsh um, in Turkmenistan. Like she's the the unit the unit commander there, the colonel. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I forgot about her. Honestly. Now, <laughs> if if you if you like me were like I've seen her before and I just can't remember. Have you have you seen the thick of it? Um, the show that yeah, Capaldi just, just was most famous Capaldi. for. Yeah. yeah. So she was in it as a, she's the um, hapless minister uh, that oh, Capaldi is shouting okay. at in in the later seasons, which is kind of reminded me that first of all, like the loosey goosey Capaldi is is much more like his role in the thick of it mm. in in uh, in the Zygon invasion than in anything else that Capaldi has done in Doctor Who, especially the line "Ponce about on a big plane." That's a mm. very Malcolm Tucker. Uh, line his, his spin doctor character in the thick of it um oh. and uh yeah so so having him right there with rebecca front it sort of seems like a wasted opportunity that that they've got a it's not really a good role for her as yeah. that colonel i don't i don't buy it she's she's more a sort of um she's just a, a different style of actor like she's good at being berated and browbeaten gotcha i hate <laughs> to say it of, i i yeah. completely forgot about her until you started talking about it. she she's um unfortunately like i think you're probably right that she just probably didn't have or just wasn't quite the right actress for the role yeah um because yeah. usually like I, I actually as much as she might be an over actor i do remember the the female cop at truth or consequences yeah <laughs> um so i do you know i actually have no idea was she american that is a good question. It definitely sounded like a fake American accent to me. So yeah. I apologize if uh, <laughs> that was not the case. Um, uh, but yeah, you, you got. I'm just sort of trained by Doctor Who's um, American episodes to like. You know, you got a fifty fifty chance that it's really. It's not going to be. It's going to be a Perry situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's a question we're going to have to answer yeah. at some point. But before yeah. we get to that answer, I think we need to have some other questions answered. And Indeed. those, of course, are the four questions to Doomsday. First mm. of the four questions is, why did the randomizer take us here? Oh, my God. Like, why didn't it take us here? <laughs> why, exactly. I think this is this is brilliant. This is like, what is the randomizer going to do for a follow-up? It is tied together. Day of the Doctor. Um, uh, Mordrin Undead. Uh, mm-hmm. Dark Water, Death in Heaven. Um, uh, what what else did we mention in the course of the show? Revenge like of the Cybermen. Revenge of the uh, Cybermen with the Harry yeah, yeah. Sullivan reference. Um, wow. I, I mean, just... Uh, incredible incredible work i my hat is off to you randomizer um can't wait to see where you take us next yeah and i think just like a, any genuine doctor who fan you're a fan of the zygons you're like hey yeah you know want to pep it up get some zygons in there they're fun i know i know we're, we're, we're like one story away from completing our zygon uh, collection <laughs> here we Possibly really need to scotland collection too <laughs> indeed indeed well yeah. we'd have to do the highlanders for that but oh, um, true, yep. yeah 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 a few more references but uh but yeah you know we, we really need to start doing pull to open bingo um <laughs> like you know we've completed the whole set or uh i guess uh that might be a different card game uh you know good. Different- some some listeners are good at bingo cards right go ahead make some bingo yeah. cards for uh for the <laughs> podcast and we'll uh we'll start punching them yeah and also you can make bingo cards for what we tend to say on the podcast like uh you know uh or make it make make it a drinking game uh every time i uh take a segue into 
history or politics. Um, take a drink. <laughs> oh, settle down. That's going to be purging alcoholism among our listeners. Um, all righty. Time to get to the second question to Doomsday, which of course is, what if the evil plot had succeeded? It's a difficult one because the evil plot does succeed. Hmm. Explain. Uh, explain. Explain. Uh, because that—that's exactly we're, we're seeing the unfolding of an evil plot succeeding. Like the, you know, uh, Bonnie does everything right. Mm-hmm. Everything goes right for the Truth or Consequences Splinter Group, and they get the Osgood box, and she has. I, I guess you know, if the evil plot succeeds, then she goes the extra step of pressing the button, mm. and nothing happens. Yeah. You know, right. it went so well for them. They even got a really, really good logo designer. <laughs> I have to say that cool truth or consequences insignia that just sort of yeah. appears in a bunch of places. Most, I think it's mostly an invasion, uh, yeah. rather than yeah, version, but it's like it, that is a, that was a really nice touch. Whoever thought well, it shows that. up on, on the screens. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe bring the truth or consequences group back. Uh, maybe maybe this is one of the spinoffs. Yeah. Uh, or, or maybe actually, you know what? Uh, truth or consequences was originally a game show, right? I, I don't think it's been on for decades. Uh, maybe it's time to bring that back. Oh. Well, what I was thinking was that yes, it all basically all everything happens the same way. What happens though is like whatever happened in the other fourteen times. Mm. And she's not persuaded. So by the rules of the episode, the doctor would just wipe their memory. So I, I honestly don't see a, a, a credible way within the boundaries of the show that this this plot, how the evil plot would ever succeed. You'd have to sort of have to assume Bonnie, in addition to nothing happening, somehow gets the drop on the doctor and mm. then uses her electrocuting powers and then just tries to get her vision of a a war done by any other means. Mm. Um, If she does and gets the war, the implication I think in my view is that the Zygons lose because they talk a few times in invasion, at least once I think about like, okay, you're 20 million Zygons, but there are 7 billion humans. And if there's a war, like you just can't, you're just not going to win. Yes, it'll be bad, Mm. but it's you, you're not again they're not daleks they're not invulnerable like they're going to get killed um mm. so they you know what happens is if there is a war the zygons don't win but it's probably something very dark for the world for a long time yeah. so you become this sort of dystopian place well you've got to think that the revelation that the humans have developed a nerve gas that will kill zygons mm. would allow the Zygon, certainly the Zygon splinter group, to feel that they would be justified in dropping nerve gas that right. kills humans. Right. Interesting. Which, so you kind of almost have a Silurian scenario where they're wiping yeah. out a massive amount of the population with yeah. either chemicals or bio- bio- biological weapons. Wow. And it's kind of a very interesting time because 2015, I mean, that was in the middle of the Syrian civil war, right? Where you know right. there was all this talk of nerve gas and uh, that being yeah, a hard yeah. red line, and the hard red line being uh, overcome by by Assad, um, you know. So yeah, I I could totally see planes full of Zygons dropping gas on humans because it's like you know, turnabout is fair play. <laughs> uh, well, maybe they just resurrect a whole bunch of Loch Ness monsters <laughs> <laughs> and, and deploy them all over. So actually, that'd be kind of cool. The Zygon War version is is like Pacific Rim. 
<laughs> and there's just this massive kaiju monsters everywhere and then we have to respond with torchwood tech i don't know that that actually sounds yeah. like a pretty epic uh epic future for yeah for uh yeah, we, future we, uh, we have to fight all the nessies by wearing uh kilts uh in the in the style of the brigadier um <laughs> be sure to hush them all up later so no one remembers all, the zygon gambit we all have to turn into groundskeeper willie um <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there's a third question to Doomsday, and here it is. Where is the Clara Splinter? So I uh, so there's a lot of Clara in this episode. Yeah. Obviously, it's a little harder uh, to, to do the Clara Splinter in episodes with Clara in, but I think that uh, one unanswered thing for me is, like, why did the Doctor have that parachute? Um, oh, okay. And I, I sort of... Well, <laughs> I I like the idea that uh, the Clara Splinter was actually flying the plane mm, and yeah. just stocked the plane and and somehow knew that she was going to die and uh, you know the doctor because he's just poncing about in his big plane probably didn't even bother going up to the cabin to check who was flying the thing um, right and yeah. she's probably pretty good you know with the the stick which yep. helps her evade the first missile or the first exactly. rocket. So exactly, yeah, giving right. the doctor just enough time. Uh, that that seems, you know, suicidal Clara Splinter uh, enough because that's basically what the Clara Splinter does, right? Sacrifices her life in many different yeah. circumstances. I'll buy um, that, and yeah. because I I punted on this one just because there is already way too much Clara in this episode. <laughs> I think if there's a Clara Splint, if there's an episode, the Clara Splinter just skips. Yeah, uh, I think it's this one. But uh, pilot of the plane, I'll take it. Okay. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that does it, and and she's just probably this Clara is just a fan of James Bond, uh, hence the Union Jack parachute. There it is. Uh, All right, yeah. folks. The final question, the fourth question to Doomsday, the only question that will give a rating to this episode. It is our rating episode. Uh, sorry, our rating question. Is it a Dalek, which is a good episode? Is it an Ogron, which is perhaps a not so good episode? A Professor Hater, which is a perhaps not so good episode, but at least we learned something. Or a mm-hmm. Viscount Banger, the rating we reserve for the best of the best. Mm. I'm, so should I'm I go a... first this time? Because you've already reviewed yeah. this. Yeah. yeah, do it. Do it. Okay, so I was tempted to give one of my more... Like, I don't think it's a Viscount Banger, number one, for many of the reasons mm. we, we mm. talked about. But the Capaldi speech is so good. I I was tempted. I was like, it's just such a definitive moment for his doctor. And it's a really good speech. Um, so that said, I started, started thinking about the, uh, Dalek. So it's a Dalek for sure. Is it one of the commander Daleks? Is it a Supreme Dalek? Not quite because there's just still too much of the stuff that undercuts the speech Mm. itself. Yeah, you know, exactly. like like if you undercut other things, and a lot of things are undercut. Like, I can forgive it as long as the like the the overall thing you're doing works. Mm-hmm. But there mm-hmm. are too many things, like particularly the 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 thing about the fifteen times. Yeah. It really bothered me this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just really feel like it's a rug pull, and I I have to just is just a nice shiny time war Dalek is what you got. This is a satisfying you know, end and you, it's a must watch for anyone who's a fan of Capaldi, obviously, but ultimately mm. like there's, there's, it, it's not one of the best of the best. So it sounds like a little bit of a backhanded praise. I, I praise this episode, but perhaps, yeah. perhaps it's fitting. 
It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, as as I've mentioned before, like almost all of the new series stories that we've been to have been improved by a second viewing. Like even the ones we didn't particularly like, you you kind of see more the second time around. Right. Uh, that that wasn't the case for me this time. Um, so I'm going to give a, a split decision. Uh, and one of the things we haven't mentioned in this review is the hybrid. You know, the the overarching season arc is to, oh, you know, the Doctor right. has to worry about the hybrid. Uh, everything could be a hybrid. You know, a Shielder could be a hybrid. You know, the, the Dalek Time Lord hybrid, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, so I'm going to say that in keeping with this season, uh, the Zygon Invasion and Zygon Inversion is a hater-banger hybrid. <laughs> it's a hater banger hybrid. Yeah, I was thinking Dalek Ogre, but no, no, no. It's it's hater banger. Wow, that's impressive. I get it though. I get what you're going for there because it's like that that speech alone is kind of yeah. a banger. And then, but there's a lot yeah, exactly. of bad stuff that teaches you what a good, not just Doctor episode, but I think a good Capaldi episode should do, which this falls short on. Yes. Yeah. So maybe uh, it's um, maybe it's not even a hype. Maybe it's a tribrid. Uh, it's a hater banger hater. <laughs> oh, my memory's been wiped. I can't even remember what order they should be in. That that is what you said the first fifteen times we did the show, Pete. Oh. <laughs> Guys, I don't know what just happened there. I just know it was great, <laughs> and but unfortunately, all things must come to an end. Uh, including this episode of Pull to Open. But before that happens, we have to figure out where this journey is taking us next, which means it's time to activate the randomizer. That's right. It's time to leave the hybrid behind, step back into our TARDIS, and use the two components of the randomizer. Pete has one, the codex. It's already been mentioned. It's the uh, spreadsheet that we've made of our own uh, decisions on what counts as a discrete story in the history of Doctor Who. Uh, we have a minimum of one and a maximum of 302 that is then plugged into random.org, which is the executor part of the randomizer. And that's where we get true randomness from atoms bouncing around the atmosphere rather than uh, a uh, an AI-like attempt of a computer to be uh, randomly random. Uh, which yeah. you can't do via your algorithm. So just make sure you haven't gone to the Zygon version of the website. Okay, <laughs> don't go to the Zygon. They fool you. That's how they do yep. it. Yeah, I, well, you know what? It, it did. Uh, every time I've load, loaded up random.org recently, it, it, it gives me a little, you know, we're checking this website. We're checking the security <laughs> of this website. So I'm actually wondering, is, is the true random.org trapped in a pod somewhere? Ooh. Um, yeah. But I guess we'll find out. But first, do we have a challenge from you for the randomizer, Pete? You know, and it's going to be um, <laughs> it's going to be the most perhaps predictable challenge, which has nothing to do with the episode we just talked about. But mm. we are recording this in the middle of the Christmas season, and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I want to see how apt you can be, randomizer. There are a lot of Christmas episodes of Doctor Who. Um, why don't you take us to one of them? And yeah. 
I, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to being gifted the Daleks master plan. <laughs> I was going to say it's going to take us to the feast of Stephen. Thank you very much. Because I secretly kind of want to get it out of the way. We're all you and I. I think are both dreading that coming up because it's going to be such. A, I mean, I'm excited to do it. It's just like that's 12 episodes we're going to have to either listen or sit through. So we'll be like, um, we'll see you in 2023, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take us to something Christmassy. And, uh, yeah, what's your challenge? I like that. I'm go- I'm going to triple the Nazi at this time. I'm going to say complete our Zygon trilogy. Mm, wow. Quite the take, us, take us back to 1975. Give us original Zygons. Ooh, original okay. flavor. Yeah. And and I, I think this is good randomizer bait because we've already been to uh, the Pyramids of Mars, right? Which came right after mm-hmm. um, uh, the Zygon, uh, Terror of the Zygons. Um, and right. the randomizer does like to go to, it likes to bunch mm-hmm. things up, doesn't it? Yeah. So, so it's not completely out of bounds of reason. This one in 302 shot, uh, <laughs> it might want to take us there. So yeah, weird, yeah. weird, um, stat on, on the Zygon invasion slash inversion in terms of the number of stories, like in terms of stories, mm-hmm. it's the, mm-hmm. it's now the. The cluster here is our biggest cluster of three in a row, oh, which is to say right. the Zygon, um, do two-parter, Sleep No More, and Face the Raven. We've done all of those. We've never yes. done three stories in a row. Uh, and actually, uh, we, we did Hell Bent, right? So we're just missing Heaven Sent. Right. That'd be another uh, dare. That'd get us, uh, get us like five in a row. Wow, we have a straight flush. I don't think I want to. I, I don't think I want. Have, I mean, I'll take it, but I don't think yeah. I want heaven sent yet because our problem is we're we're burning too many. Agreed. Too agreed. Many good ones. Yeah. Oh my god, we're giving the randomizer ideas now, though. Too many good. <laughs> okay, I think we're just going to have right. to roll the dice. Are you ready? All sir? right. Yes. Here we go. In four, three, two, one. Fantastic. One hundred and ninety. We're a new who. We're a new who. No. Uh, oh no. Here we go. It's. Oh my God! You, we, we just jinxed ourselves. Uh-oh. We're at the Master Trilogy, Utopia, The Sound of Thrones, <gasps> and Last of the Time Lords. Oh my God! You know Following what it's doing? Right on from Blink. It's it's taken us. We the three episode conundrum, the fiasco. <laughs> it was like, okay, you guys, we're <laughs> you got it. You want three episodes? Here it is. Yeah, you want a trilogy. Here's a trilogy that we ourselves made a trilogy. (laughs) Because some people might want to break them up, right? We've used this as as an example in the show before of how our numbering might differ from others. And Um, it's like, I know it's not the Daleks master plan, but part of my my thinking is like, wow, I've got... (laughs) I've got to make some time this week to to make sure this is we could we could get things. This is the equivalent of a six episoder in, in classic yeah. series. So it's not the Daleks' master plan; it's the Master's Toclophane plan. Ah, <laughs> see what you did there. Thank you, guys. This has been amazing. Thanks for sitting in with us here as we talked about the Zygon invasion slash inversion. Hey, guys, it's pull to open. It's a podcast. 
It's a thing you listen to in podcast apps like Spotify, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, all the good ones. We're an overcast outcast. I don't even know if that's a service, but I'm sure we're on it. <laughs> and if you're on a service where you can leave either a rating or review, please do so. Also, why don't go ahead and follow us on TikTok where we're always uploading new clips from the show and interacting with people commenting there. We're at Pull to Open on TikTok. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Pull to Open. 63. Hey, you like your podcast with some video? We're also on YouTube. We're at youtube.com slash pull to open. Lots of good comments there. All the good stuff is coming to you every week. We're going to see you next week for some epic season ending new who action with Utopia Sound of Drums Last of the Time Lords. We will see you with Captain Jack at the end of the universe. Stay Mm. safe until then. Cheers, folks. 